Hello, and welcome to a new episode of From the Honeycomb, a podcast that creates a spark of positive energy in your home to design, architecture, yoga, meditation, and travel. I've created this podcast as a place to come for design inspiration and to learn about Vastu Shastra with a modern approach. I'm your host, Katerina Burinova, and welcome to From the Honeycomb. In today's episode, I sit down with Julie from The Mindful Potter, and we have a beautiful and raw conversation about a time in her life where she was burnt out from her previous career, and how by reconnecting with Clay, it led her down the path of healing and eventually opening up her own business. She really turned a community cafe into a beautiful pottery studio. She walks us through the process of birthing work of art from the clay stages to the final product, and it's just overall such a beautiful conversation. So let's dive in. All right. Well, Julie, welcome to From the Honeycomb podcast. I'm so excited to have you on because you are the creator of this beautiful mug that I use every day, multiple times a day for just about any liquid. So thank you for designing the Candice mug with Candice Moore. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. And I'm so pleased. That's lovely to hear. We really, we worked hard to get that mug design right. So it's always lovely to know that people are enjoying it and it's working out. And so, Julie, before we dive into the episode, would you like to introduce yourself and then share something that you are grateful for? Sure. So I'm Julie. I'm the heart and hands behind The Mindful Potter, which is my heart work. It's my small business that I run out of a pottery studio in Greece. It's been going for about four years now. And yeah, it's a joy every day, even the challenges. And uh, my gratitude for today is actually all about connection because I've had a beautiful weekend of meeting people who I initially met through social media. So there's you and there's also another potter who's based in London and she's in Greece for a short period of time for her holidays. And we've actually been able to collaborate this weekend and she's firing some pieces in my kiln We complain so much about social media, and I think we are quick to see the elements of it that take from us. It takes my time, it takes my attention, all of this. But just sometimes I get reminded of everything I gain from it. And that element of connection, of meeting kindred spirits from all over the world is just so precious. No, that is so beautiful. And I Agree. That's actually what I wanted to share is what I'm grateful for today is that social media, the online community that I've started to cultivate, but also, for example, kind of our mutual social media person is Candice, who you worked with to design this mug. And when I first started on social media, I was very immersed in the world of yoga, and that's how I found Candice. I've been to one of her workshops years ago, and just seeing like the people who support each other through social media and through the accounts and the community you start to build 
all over the world is so incredible. It really does allow us to connect with each other, which I think is really beautiful. So I agree with your gratitude today. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. It's, it's really, it's a gift. So Julie, you mentioned that you started the Mindful Potter about four years ago. Would you walk us through the journey of starting your own business and just how that journey was for you? It's been an incredible learning curve. I, before running my own small business, I worked with refugees. I was a humanitarian working with refugee children and youth for many, many years all over the world. And it was wonderful and I, I loved it, but it was also no longer serving me. It was, um, I was at a point in time in 2018 where I was very tired, I was burnt out, I was exhausted physically, mentally, and I needed to make a change. And at that time, I'd already started to reconnect with Clay. I was working with Clay here in Athens in a beautiful little studio where I was hand building. There was such healing in that creative practice. It brought me such peace that I really thought, okay, if I'm going to give up a career I love, it's got to be for something else which I can also pour my heart into. I can't just make the decision out of fear and anger and leave because I'm tired. I didn't want to make it into a negative decision. So slowly over time, I built up my practice. And I think possibly with the blind optimism of a true Sagittarius, I, uh, <laughs> I decided that it was time to just make the leap and try, just give it a go. So I started the business, it was very small. It was just me in a community studio with a website and my Instagram account, which has grown slowly over those years. And that was how it began really, just as a heart-led project to support my healing and to see what could come next with this huge career change that I flowed into at that time. Wow, I had no idea about your background. This is amazing to go from such a different field of work, working with refugees, to working you know, by yourself in your studio and creating like beautiful works of art. How did you find the transition to just being immersed with just by yourself after working with so many people? I think I'm actually finding it harder now. At the time, I was still working in a community studio with many other artists. So there was that great community vibe. There's always something going on. You, you really sort of feed each other's creativity with ideas and conversations and just seeing what people create is so inspiring. These spaces are just wonderful. It was a really wonderful way for me to transition into it. It also took some of the pressure off me because I didn't have to put in place the physical infrastructure of a business right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Because real talk, I didn't come into this with a business plan and a strategy <laughs> and projections and a five-year forecast of whatever was going to happen. Right. I came into it thinking... 
I have to make a change. I want to build a heart-led business that is going to align with my values and also align with my energy and how that flows through the day because I acknowledged that I was in a period of my life where I was recovering from mental health problems and I did need to give myself some grace and build something that would serve me. So that has been an ongoing kind of struggle and an, an interesting, well, not struggle, but a kind of ongoing dynamic that's constantly shifting in the business. It's kind of who's the boss, <laughs> me or the business, um, which is an interesting thing. And that's even more so since I moved into my own studio space, which is this beautiful, exquisite, luminous space in Athens. And I love it. But when there are no students here, when the beautiful souls who come in here to access the studio and create their own work are not here, it is very quiet and you have to get used mm -hmm. to that. So it's quite the transition. It's a very different pace and it's a very different dynamic of work. But yeah, it's, I'm learning every single day and it's just a fascinating journey. Um, no, yeah, <laughs> no, it is. And that's one of the reasons I also really enjoy following you on Instagram is you take us through almost every day through the process of creating your work and you share so much of the studio with us and your plants and just how you're creating this space. How did you find the studio and how have you because how long have you been in the studio? I've been in here now just over a year. I moved in in late June, yeah, late June last year. I started searching for spaces in the February of 2021 because we were going through yet another set of COVID shifts. It wasn't really clear how things were going to go, whether community art spaces were going to be allowed to reopen, um, it's, it's been very complex, I think, for everyone. It's not just here in Greece, but there were complexities there. So I thought, okay, it's time to be brave and at least look around. And it's the very first space I saw. Wow. And it's actually a space which has a beautiful history. It was a cafe, well, a sort of deli-cum-cafe for the community for 47 years, I think, the previous, well, the current, he's the owner, but he ran it for 47 years. And it was a community hub. I still feel it now in here. All the neighbours will say hello as they pass every day. The space is full. It's like the walls are full of the life of the neighborhood. It's, mm. a, it's a really beautiful space. For a while, I let it go because I thought, oh, it's a very residential area. It's not quite right for a business. I, I was trying to be strategic. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I should just have continued to be intuitive and heart-led about the whole thing because I came back to it three months later and rented it. So... But it was the very first one I saw, and I knew the minute I stepped in. So I don't really know why I looked around the rest of Athens <laughs> for months. Um, <laughs> but sometimes we have to test ourselves, I guess. No, absolutely, and, and see if what you've seen, just kind of trusting yourself. But your studio space is 
as I mentioned, you showed on Instagram, it is such a beautiful space and you've started to add plants and walk us through how you kind of laid out the space. Did you know where to put like your kiln and your drying racks or did you have to kind of play around a few for a while, see what works? That was the thing about this space was even when it was, well, I'm not going to say empty, even when it was full of other people's trash, which is how it was when I first viewed it, there was such a clarity to the flow of movement. The way it was laid out really lent itself to the ceramics process and how at one end of the studio we need to work mostly with the wet clay and then have the drying racks you mentioned and all of this and all the wet clay and all the recycling that happens with that. And then as you move through that process towards the firings, then you need to have space that's clear of all that where you can glaze and do all of that technical work. And somehow this space, although there have been a few sort of juggling acts to get the amount of storage right and and sort of play around with that, the flow of it has kind of just organically grown from what the space was giving me. It was, it's like it was made to be a ceramics studio. It's kind of extraordinary. It is, because... For the listeners who don't visualize this space, I just realized, like, I know what it looks like, um, and you know what it looks like. You're recording there right now. Could you describe to the listeners kind of what the space looks like? So it's an old corner shop. It has these huge windows, and it receives light all the day. I have a little bit of direct sunlight in the morning, and then as the sun moves over us, it's just full of light throughout the day. And as you come in... I've set up sort of a small area where there's sort of finished pieces in case anybody pops by and would like to buy something. But most of it is a working studio. So towards, um, I'm going to call it the north end. I have no idea what the orientation of this is. (laughs) Feels northern. That's good. Basically towards the back of the space is where I've put the drying rack and next to them is um, a heavy-duty shelving unit with all the clays that we use. And I like people to have as much choice as possible. And by people, I mean me first, (laughs) but also all the lovely people who come in. So we use a variety of different clays in the studio. So it's quite an intricate dance to keep everything clean and under control and manageable but it works for now so it's all set up with storage and drying at the back then you have the pottery wheels Mm -hmm. and the clay preparation area so this is the work area where we do most of the initial creation of the pieces then there's a very well-placed sink which is the hub of everything we do because we're always needing to keep it as clean as possible and as dust-free as possible Mm -hmm. just for the safety of everybody using the space. And then slowly as I move towards what I'm calling the South, (laughs) we have (laughs) a glazing station, which is relatively long. Like There's enough space to really lay out your work and, and have quite a conscious and relaxed approach to it because it's I find for almost everyone it's the most stressful part of the process 
because it's the very last step hmm. and you've nursed this piece through all these stages. It's gone all the way to having been fired once and you have such high hopes for it and you need to still put this glaze on it and then you, you won't know if you've done a good job until it comes out of the kiln. So <laughs> people get true. quite anxious. So <laughs> I try to keep that space very, very calm. And, uh, and then it moves towards the kiln and that's kind of it. But the, the sort of circularity of it works really well. It's, it's a very nice space. It works perfectly as a working studio. No, it does. And I love that you use the word like consciously because I know you have a almost zero waste company, right? You share a lot of if, you know, a piece doesn't make it, you have it on kind of like a discount if it has little imperfections. And then also if your clay, you reuse a lot of clay, right? You don't have as much waste as other studios would. I mean, I think all studios probably try to be conscious. I think because the studio is so small, I can be as perfectionist about I don't know if that's the right term, as um, militant about it as I want. So I try very hard to make the studio as sustainable as possible. One of those issues is about the use of our resources, the natural materials. Clay, before it's fired, can be recycled at almost any stage of the making. So we really, for example, I'll ask people to clean up their pottery wheels at the wheel rather than taking anything towards the sink and pouring away all that clay into the drains. Clean it up at the wheel, then let that water, set the, the clay settle to the base, and then I can pour off the water into the plants, my little <laughs> ecosystem. <laughs> um, and I can get all those clay particles back. Mm -hmm. And then I can dry them out on plaster and it becomes workable clay again. So there's this really lovely cycle that clay gives us as a material anyway, which we can really take advantage of. And that also reduces our water consumption. It reduces the amount of waste going into the drains because I am aware that it is an urban studio in a city that does not have the most modern Wastewater disposal system. <laughs> that is true. All due respect <laughs> to the Athenian city planners. So I would, you know, I've worked quite hard to try and minimize our environmental impact from that perspective. I'm doing my best to try and see what we can do to move to solar energy quite soon. Oh, wow. I think I found a way. <laughs> but wow. It's, it's a real challenge. But I think it's going to be possible, us uh, sort of coming together to try and make it as close to zero waste as I possibly can. Wow. I admire you. You kind of walk through every step of the stage of creating your ceramics and you see where you can be sustainable. And I admire that. That is, especially given the circumstances, like you said, you're in an in urban environment, but you really do like you know, make that conscious step and make sure that you have a sustainable approach to a lot of the steps. And you're just listening to you. I, I know I've watched your videos, but you are just so passionate about your work. And so I'm curious, when's the first time you or who introduced you to pottery? 
Well, I was actually reminded quite recently that I used to play with clay quite a lot as a teenager in my art classes. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I have quite serious memory (laughs) blanks about certain things that we still can't really explain. It's not necessarily bad memories that I've blocked out, but there are chunks of time that are a little bit... Once I'm reminded, I'll remember... But indeed, I was working with clay at that time and hand-building pieces, but it was mostly air-dry clay. My high school didn't have the capacity to do anything fancy, so it was really just getting used to touching the material. And I've always been somebody who likes to make with their hands. I love textiles as well. So in some of the countries I lived in where maybe I didn't have access to other things, I would So I would make curtains for the house. I would try to make my space mine in whatever way I could find. And um, it's when I actually got to Athens in 2017 that I was able to take it seriously. I knew I wanted to do it. And now I know that my hands had the somatic experience of touching it, even if I didn't have the conscious memory at the time. And... um, So I managed to find a small studio here where I would just sit for hours hand-building, just making anything that came to mind. And uh, I started the wheel in early 2018. Wow. I went to a beautiful place um, not far from Thessaloniki in northern Greece and did an intensive workshop up there with uh, Hector Mavridis. He's an amazing Greek artist and fantastic teacher. And um, yeah, it was love at first throw. I was um, (laughs) obsessed with this. It was also, it was a period of my life where I was deep into my burnout related to my previous work. I was in talk therapy with a trauma specialized psychologist. I was doing EMDR and I'd actually just started taking antidepressants, anti-anxiety medication for some of the traumatic symptoms that were coming up. So I thought I wouldn't even be able to pay attention (laughs) to what was going on. And I remember saying to him in the car from the airport, you know, if if I can just touch the clay, I'll be happy. It doesn't matter, even if nothing happens. But actually, it's as if it hyper-focused me. And there's something about the creative flow, this flow state, that doing something challenging but creative gives us as humans that just allows our brain to rest. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the pottery wheel is probably 80% of the reason that I recovered as quickly as I did. It really, really helped me. Wow, thank you so much for sharing your story. That is amazing. And I'm so happy for you that you were able to find, you know, the pottery and the wheel to help you heal. Because when you're part of that healing journey, there is the easy fix of antidepressants and then just staying on those till, you know, you're just, you become dependent on it. And I love that you found this avenue of ways to cope but also now this has brought you a community as well as an income as well as just just your life and it really it's it's an amazing story to hear I am just blown away by you right now so thank you
No, thank you very much. I mean, you're absolutely right. And I was terrified to start with the medication. I was really reluctant. I was scared. I thought I'd be on it for life and all of these things. But I think I was lucky in two respects. My, the, the psychiatrist who was following my situation was very clear from the beginning that the depression and the anxiety were situational. So if I chose to make the changes that I needed to make in my life, I would be able to pull myself out of it. But his point was, why struggle to do that without taking the edge off? Like, just let me help you to help yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. let's do this, low dosages, we'll build it up if we need to, da, da, da. He was very supportive. And I actually, I don't recommend this, but I ended up just sort of stopping, just took myself off them, which I appreciate any medical professionals listening might <laughs> have a reaction to, but it worked for me. I didn't need mm -hmm. them anymore. And I just knew. And I think we do know our bodies. I think we know. And if we have the headspace to be able to then trust ourselves to make the decisions we need to. So I, d I don't recommend it for others. Of course, <laughs> listen to your <laughs> medical <laughs> practitioners. But for me personally, there just came a point in time when it was very clear, and that was in 2019. The business was doing pretty well. I felt like I kind of found my voice with it. The community was building, as you said. I had mm -hmm. my physical community around me, the art space where I was working, but... I also had this great network of people on Instagram to just chat to and learn from. And it was just wonderful. So somehow it all just came together. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And kind of going back to the, yeah, the community on social media and you have very much, I would say, your online business and your online sales. Is that the majority of, of your sales? It has been for the majority of um, the lifespan of the business, especially as I've only really had the physical space for a short amount of time. That has slowed recently, I think, with um, everything that is happening in the world, mm -hmm. including summer holidays, which I'm very happy that people are having this year. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> so, but I think that there is a kind of, there's been kind of this moment of pause where we've all sort of taken a minute and thought, oh, hang on, what's happening? Where are we going? So things have slowed down a little bit, but I feel very optimistic. I don't know if it's just that the stars have realigned in a less uh, complex <laughs> situation also, but I feel like everything's picking up again and yeah but the online part of the business has sustained it from the beginning and it's just a joy it's lovely you wrap a mug and you know that you're sending it to Australia and you think so lovely that something from here will go there I send a lot to the US which is also great and it's worked out really well I do my best for that to also be as sustainable as possible. Obviously, it's never going to be as sustainable as buying local, mm -hmm. but wherever there's an option. So with my career company, you can go green to offset the emissions, all of this kind of thing. So I, I do all of those things. 
so that hopefully my practice isn't doing harm. That's the most I'm hoping for at this stage. And from receiving my mug and even the whole process of ordering, I can vouch for you. It is a very more sustainable method than if you were to buy it on Amazon, for example, because you also... Like, I think I was on a two to three week waiting list for you to even start making the cup. And so you do kind of batch it where it's it's a made to order, but I like that you kind of batched it together rather than, oh, I'm going to make one because I have the one sale. You really are, back to that word, the conscious of the creation, which I really love. Now, I really wanted to make this pre-order system. So for those who don't know, I've sort of set up a system where there's a made-to-order section on the website where you can order your piece to absolutely your preference. And if there are colors that are not there, we can always have a conversation and I can see if I can do it. So the idea is that you're really creating something that you will treasure and it will be sustainable because you want it. And you're not buying a mug that you expect to replace in a year, two years. You expect it to last and to be with you for the long haul. Mm -hmm. So there's that aspect to it. But yes, indeed, because I do try to give people lots of options, I also tried to make sure that I batched everything so that the kiln was always totally packed we weren't wasting any electricity in the process, that it was as efficient as possible. But it did mean that people had to be patient. So thank you for your patience. Um, you are very I'm welcome. I'm trying, trying to see how I can build efficiencies in to make it a little bit less of a weight for people. But I don't want to give up the sustainability parts for that. And I don't think people want it. I don't think mm -hmm. those who are willing to go through that made-to-order process are necessarily requiring that. So luckily, I have found lots of very patient, beautiful souls um, who yes. are willing to, to wait. So I'm very lucky. And it is definitely worth the wait, I will say. And I'm, I've already started to kind of look at, I know... This past two days ago, we had some casualties in our household with mugs being broken two in one day. So, which was, I had a, uh, another follower write me, it must have been the full moon energy because it was, I broke my travel mug and my husband broke his work mug. So it was, a. Uh, I know, we're, so I started looking at your website, seeing what the options were. And I love the travel mug options you have. And so a little selfish question. Would you make a 16-ounce travel mug? Yes. Ooh. I just have to work out how. Okay. But I will. <laughs> no, it, with the travel mugs, the issue is the mm -hmm. diameter. Mm. Because you just need it to have a really lovely fit with the mm -hmm. silicon lid. As long I know what the diameter is now because I have done lots of trial and error <laughs> and um, so it would just be a question of changing the height mm. and just making sure it doesn't widen it because I still want it to be comfortable in your hand mm -hmm. 
No, I so, appreciate yes. it. No. Yes, oh, okay, you, good. You will, you will be my tester for the new Travel Mug 3.0. Oh. <laughs> Yay, perfect. Thank you. I, I know you have we'll the 12 ounce and I need that room for my milk. So I was like, oh, if I could do <laughs> But I would be Done. more than happy to. Yay. <laughs> it will be good. the next prototype. That's yours. Oh, oh thank you. <laughs> I will be patient here waiting in California for it. So thank you. Hopefully not too patient. I, I'm hoping, well, I'm not going to make you promises on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll True. do my very best. Thank you. <laughs> so what would you like to leave with, leave the listeners with after sharing your journey and your story of how you went from, you know, working with refugees to finding a place to immerse yourself in pottery while recovering from with depression and anxiety. What would you like to leave uh, listeners with from the lessons you've learned from your journey? I think probably that many things can be true at the same time. You are allowed to feel weak and strong simultaneously. You are allowed to feel great highs and great lows simultaneously. You can make huge life decisions and put them on a hold and nobody's allowed to judge you all at the same time. I think just really try to tap in to what feels aligned and that can take time. And I think just we don't always allow ourselves the grace of that time to just really think things through and allow ourselves to feel all of the parts of decision-making processes. And I think whether it was the decision to move on from my previous work or whether it's big or small decisions with the business, because I'm not a business person. <laughs> you know, I, I'm learning as I go which I think is true of many creatives who are running a small business, who are sort of trying to make a living from their craft. So it does take a lot of adjustment and a lot of false starts and allowing yourself to do that and to make the mistakes and just say, you know what, I tried, this wasn't quite right, let's just try it slightly differently and to not feel bad about it. So just that many things can be true at the same time and be kind to ourselves. That is so beautiful. Julie, thank you so much for coming on to From the Honeycomb. I have loved our conversation, finally getting to talk to you after following you for a while now. And I will provide a link in the show notes for your website. And where can listeners find you? Um, people can find me through Instagram if that is their happy space. I am at The Mindful Potter. I have a Facebook page um, also at The Mindful Potter. And then there's my website, which is www.themindfulpotter.com. There's a newsletter subscription possibility on there. And actually, I will be starting to write a lot more, I think, in the coming months. So if people are interested in the kind of tell-all <laughs> studio stories from The Mindful Potter, they can head over there and sign up if social media is not their joy. Yeah, that's kind of it. But thank you so much for having me. Mm, thank um, you. It's been such a pleasure. 
It has. Well, thank you. Like I said, it was just such a beautiful conversation to sit down with Julie and talk about her work and what has led her to create the Mindful Potter. And Julie, I'm holding you to it to have that travel mug. So I can't wait to work with you on that. Overall, just thank you again, Julie, for coming on. You are really an inspiration. Just hearing about your process and the conscious approach you take to creating the pottery work that you do. So thank you. And thank you, listener, for listening to this episode. And if you like this episode, please give it a heart or thumbs up. Click the follow button so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes. And follow me on Instagram at From the Honeycomb Podcast. Thank you so much, and see you next time.